What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Baseball Connection. So we're going to do a recap of the Washington Nationals 2021 season and a, and a preview of the 2022 season. How did they do? How did things go in the nation's capital? Well, the Nats had an extremely disappointing season. I mean, two years removed from their first World Series, they're, they're not anywhere near where... We, we saw them in 2019. I mean, they're, they're, they've fallen off so far, and it's been almost a complete 180. Almost a complete 180. Not a complete 180, but almost. I mean, there were some expectations in 2021 that they would be right back in the running to contend for the NLE's title, but the exact opposite happened. I mean, they ended up finishing dead last in the NLE's, despite being 47-55 at the trade deadline in eight games out of first. I mean, not a terrible position, in a weak division, but at the deadline, they they made the smart move and they just went into a fire sale and they got rid of everyone. Leading up to the deadline, they traded away Kyle Schwarber, Brad Hand, Daniel Hudson, Josh Harrison, Jan Gomes, John Lester. And then on the night before the deadline day, they had a blockbuster deal, which sent Max Scherzer and Trey Turner away to the LA Dodgers and they got four high upside prospects in return. So overall, the Nats received 12 prospects for the eight players they sent out. So obviously, once you ship away all your talent, you're not going to have you're not going to have much luck winning games. So following the trade deadline, following that fire sale, they went a league worst 18 and 42. But I mean, even if they had kept all those players they traded, they they probably wouldn't have have even finished 500 honestly um if you if you try to project it based on like fangraphs war or something like that of of the players that they traded away but yeah you go 18 42 after the trade deadline that's that's the worst in the league it's it's not going to cut it but their final record 65 and 97 last in the NL East obviously missing the playoffs so i mean overall performance they did lead the National League in batting average, though, at 258. But despite that, they were in the bottom half of total runs with 724 runs scored. Their offense had trouble coming up in big situations, and they really beat the ball into the ground. I mean, even, like, even when they would have guys on base, they had a major league leading 158 double plays grounded into. And that's 11 short of the National League record, which was in 2011 by the Cardinals. And 16 short of the MLB record, which is the 1990 Boston Red Sox. So a lot of, lot, lot of ground ball double plays. And um, yeah, that, that's obviously going to stifle any offense. That's a twin killing right there. That can kill any rally immediately. But I mean, if you look at, want to look at like stat cast numbers with the more advanced metrics, they were last in the National League with average launch angle and fifth worst with percent barrel rate. So the one player who survived the trade deadline fire sale was Alcides Escobar. I mean, he turned in a fairly strong season, actually. I mean, he's 34-year-old shortstop and had the team's third best war at 1.7 uh, behind Trey Turner and Juan Soto. But, I mean, obviously... Um, I'm talking about position players because Max Scherzer's not in there, but I mean, he didn't actually sign with the team until July 3rd, 
But this is after he had been on minor league deals with three other teams. But he came in with the Nats, 75 games, hit 288 with four homers, three steals, and a 100 weighted runs created plus. So then you have Lane Thomas, this is interesting, an outfielder who came over as a return for John Lester in, in, that, in that trade. He turned in a solid 45 games with the Nationals. I mean, he's 28, 25 years old, but he had seven homers, stole four bases, recorded a 127 weighted runs created plus, and had a 1.0 war in his short time with the Nats. But the pitching was really shaky. I mean, outside of Scherzer, they had starters with, you know, four ERAs. So, I mean, they had guys with at least 12 starts. All those guys had over a four ERA. Okay, um, outside of Scherzer. Joe Ross was their best starter outside of Scherzer. He had a 4.02 ERA and a majorly disappointing year for Patrick Corbin, who was supposed to be an ace, but he's fallen off. I mean, he's really fallen off. I mean, he had a negative war this year. That tells you how rough it was. A 5.82 ERA, a negative 1.1 war. It's just not not what you want to see from a guy who you're you're paying big money to. I mean, he was he was actually a big piece of that World Series run in 2019, but he has gone in the complete opposite direction. He was he was really bad this year. But on the bright side, I mean, if you want to look at their most valuable player, obviously, it was Juan Soto. He was their most valuable player. He was their best hitter. He was their best fielder, even. I mean, he was a top two NL MVP candidate. Um, you know, Bryce Harper ended up winning it. But Juan Soto really could have, and some people say should have, won this award. But he, he I mean, I don't even, I'm not even going to go through laundry list. You can look up his numbers, but he led the majors in you know, a bunch of categories or was top, like near the top of the list, uh, a bunch of categories. But walks, you know, 145 total walks. You know, those, those are the most walks by any player in a single season since Barry Bonds in 2004. Like Barry Bonds had 232 walks, so like way more, but nobody's come even close to that. And so it was the most since Bonds 2004. But, you know, you're talking about the most patient hitter in the game, you know, the most disciplined hitter in the game, doesn't strike out much, you know, punishes you when you do bring in the zone. I mean, Juan Soto can't say enough about this guy. And then obviously their pitcher of the year was Max Scherzer, even though he did get dealt to L.A. I mean, but I mean, the pitching outside of him was ugly, so he has to be the pitcher of the year. I mean, in 14 of the 19 starts he made, he gave up two runs or less. I mean, great stuff, great stuff. He, he also got rewarded handsomely this offseason we see that he's going to be a met next year got a lot of money to do that um he deserves it but i would say comeback player of the year is ryan zimmerman so ryan zimmerman you know he he came back he came back to major league baseball i mean he is the face of this franchise he's mr national remember ryan zimmerman is the first or he was the first player that the nationals franchise ever drafted he was a first round pick in 2005 you know the first year they existed he was the first pick and he you know 2021 was still playing he opted out of 2020 because of covid and then returned had a pretty good season this year i mean a 97 weighted runs created plus remember he's 36 years old but 471 on base percentage in 110 games so good stuff from ryan zimmerman but what's next what's next for the washington nationals well i mean they did fire their hitting coach kevin long they brought in a replacement um, and the, the guy they brought in to replace, you know, his mantra, his name's Darnell Coles, but his mantra is for hitters to dominate the strike zone. 
And he wants them to be able to clean up their inability to hit with runners on base and in scoring position. Because they were dead last in the majors with leaving runners on. And obviously, what's next? The Nationals have to pay Soto. <laughs> That's the thing. They have to pay him the money he deserves. I mean, if you look at some of the estimates for what Juan Soto is supposed to make, I mean, people are saying half a billion dollars. And it's very possible. I mean, he if anyone's going to get that, it's him. He has all the, 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 the ingredients. Young, you know, Obviously, MVP candidate. You know what? What are you gonna, what are you gonna say against that? You, he's he's worth every every penny of that. You know, you know, and they have to start thinking about an extension now. They have a top prospect, a hard throwing right hander named Cade Cavalli, who came out of the University of Oklahoma. He's expected to make his debut next season. He's been really good in the minors, and you know he moved up three levels in the minors just this year. I mean, he did struggle in seven starts at AAA, but you know if he can work that out. He'll be a reputable arm to throw in the rotation or potentially the bullpen next year. So next year, that's what they have to look forward to. You know, it's it's extend Juan Soto, you know, develop Cade Cavalli. You know, they have some other guys, but I would say Cavalli is really their, their main prospect of focus right now. And stop hitting into so many double plays. Stop leaving so many runners on base. And then you go from there. You draft well, you know, and then you just continue rebuilding. But they are in full rebuild mode. They're gonna it's gonna be a while before they can they can um uh, maybe not actually, because given the, the Nats' ability and you know they've shown the willingness to spend money, um, they just decide like they could. They're the kind of team that could just decide they don't want to go through a long rebuild. They could they could just next year decide to just spend a bunch of money on top free agents and be right back in it because they know they have Juan Soto in there. They don't want to waste that. So actually, yeah, I don't I don't see this going the way of like a like a like a Pittsburgh Pirates or. Uh, Arizona Diamondbacks or anything like that. This is a team with a lot of resources and they have good ingredients in place. They can flip the switch if they decide to. But they'll have to have 22 as a bridge year. And then after that, they could they could decide to make things interesting. But we'll just have to wait and see. So that is it. That's going to do it for today. If you enjoyed this, please share it with someone who'd be interested. And we'll see you next time on Baseball Connection.